You said both the words Sabbath and Shabbat earlier. Explain to everyone what is Sabbath, what is Shabbat, how are they related? To its most basic meaning in Hebrew, it's literally a ceasing. God was creating the world and he ceased. So he he rested quite literally. He ceased from his creative work on the seventh day. And that's where we get the name Shabbat. Welcome back and thanks for joining us on A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your host, Ezra Benjamin. And I'm Carly Berna. And we are your co-hosts of this podcast. We are a Jewish and a Gentile believer in Jesus. That's the thing, and we would both agree the most important thing uh, that we hold in common. We believe Jesus, or Yeshua in Hebrew, is uh, both the Messiah of the Jewish people of Israel and the Lord and Savior of the whole earth. And we believe that God is up to something special with Israel and with the Jewish people today in the world, and that that matters for Christians. How, you ask? Well, we're going to unpack that. Uh, Today, Carly, we're talking about uh, maybe a a topic that's caused a lot of debate in the Christian world, and uh, you may not be surprised to hear in the Jewish world as well, among the various streams of Judaism. The topic is the Sabbath, or uh, Shabbat, as it's called in Hebrew in the Jewish world. So, Uh, lots to discuss here and kind of a spoiler alert for our audience. We're probably not going to agree, which is why we discuss. Yeah. So kind of before we get started, we're recording this about two days after the first presidential debate, which many people have probably watched or listened to. And I'll just say Ezra and I will not be debating quite like that. We'll be muting each other's microphones if it turns into something like that. That's right. If I had a podium to pound and I could start shouting and like completely just interrupt the facilitator, I would. I've had enough coffee to do that. But I'll refrain. uh, I'll refrain just this time, Carly. I'll be nice. Yeah, we'll have to bring in one of our facilitators for that. Yeah, next time. Um, And then the second thing is the Shabbat or the Sabbath. We don't consider a major doctrine. So it's okay for us to disagree on this, to interpret the, the scriptures differently. Uh, if this was something like, you know, is Jesus the Messiah, that would be a major doctrine that, uh, you know, you might leave a church over if that's if the church didn't agree with that. So I just kind of want to make that note. That's important. You know, we're not going to kind of hang up our, our hats and unplug the mics here if Carly and I don't see eye to eye on this. That's part of why we discuss. And also it's so you at home can understand some of the differences within the community of faith between how a Jewish believer in Jesus is going to approach uh, some of the things the scripture has to say and how that affects uh, how we think we should live, and uh, how a Christian's going to see the same topic in a little bit of a different way. So uh, we're not afraid of the disagreement. We're not afraid of the discussion. That's part of why we do this. And ultimately, it's so you at home can understand maybe both sides of the of the issue and, and uh, uh, see how you come down on it. Exactly. So let's start, Ezra, you mentioned, you, know, you said both the words Sabbath and Shabbat earlier. Explain to everyone what is Sabbath, what is Shabbat, how are they related? Yeah, Sabbath, I think, you know, because we know English is kind of a, 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 has roots in Latin languages and has roots in Germanic languages. So I think the word Sabbath actually is borrowed from the original Hebrew word, which is, you know, uh, one of the most, if not the most ancient language on the face of the earth or versions of it. And the word Sabbath is just the English way of saying uh, Shabbat. And like, I'm thinking, you know, I, I know a little bit of Spanish mostly because I had to growing up in New York State public schools. Uh, and it's Sabado, which is similar, like Shabbat, Sabbath, Sabado. So many languages um, have a similar word um, 
for for Shabbat or for Saturday. Um, and so Shabbat in Hebrew actually is from the root word uh, that's the same as to sit or to rest or actually to cease. So if we had to boil down the word Shabbat in Hebrew, same as Sabbath in English, to its most basic meaning in Hebrew, it's literally a ceasing. Uh, no more or no less than that. This idea of something's happening and it ceases. God was creating the world and he ceased. So he he rested quite literally. He ceased from his creative work on the seventh day. And that's where we get the name uh, Shabbat, just three letters in Hebrew. And uh, that's kind of the root meaning of it. Got it. So for those of us who might have heard about Judaism, but not have a lot of knowledge, you know, we've, we've just heard some, I'll just call them, you know, rumors of like, yeah, Jewish people on a certain day, they they don't drive anywhere. They don't do anything. They can't turn their light switches on. Tell me what, what Shabbat looked like for you or what it looks like in the Jewish culture. Yeah, and I I, I grew up in kind of a, a, an interesting home in the Messianic Jewish world. So I'll save my own story for, for uh, a couple minutes from now in our podcast. But generally in the Jewish community, just like in the Christian community, where, whereas you know the Christian community has denominations of all shapes and sizes and different beliefs and practices, so does the Jewish community. You have people on this spectrum of what we can call religious observance, and so more secular Jews, the most secular Jews, including in Israel, a big portion of the uh, Jewish community actually isn't going to change much on, on the Shabbat on Saturday. And I should say here, kind of parentheses, in Jewish customs, the day actually begins the night before the day. And that's from this idea that it was evening and it was morning, right? The first day. It was evening and it was morning the second day. So Shabbat on the Jewish calendar actually begins Friday night at sunset and then goes all the way through Saturday daytime till Saturday at sunset. And that's considered this seventh day of the week, also known as the Shabbat. Um, and in a secular Jewish home, that may be like every other day. They may do nothing special on the Shabbat other than saying, yep, it's Shabbat. But the more um, religiously observant you go in the Jewish community, the more care is going to be taken out of an idea of a reverence for God and a fervency to obey his commandments to make sure, according to the way that the religious Jewish community understands the Bible, quite literally, that no work of any kind should be done on the Sabbath. Uh, and that's borrowed from the Torah, which means the first five books of the Old Testament uh, in Christian terms. Genesis through Deuteronomy and over and over again, God says to the children of Israel, you shall do no work on this day. You shall cease from your work. More on that in a couple minutes. So, uh, for example, in New York City, you might meet a secular Jewish person who's doing what they want to do. They're going to the park, they're driving, they're going to the movies, uh, hanging out with family on the Shabbat. And then you may meet a religious Jewish person, sometimes dressed in you know the black and white outfits or ultra-Orthodox person who not only is not going to go to work on the Shabbat, they're not going to drive, they're not going to turn on the lights, which is in their home, they're not going to heat food. All of that based on this idea that anything, flipping a light switch, turning on a car, generating electricity, uh, walking too far of a journey, anything which could be considered any type of work whatsoever is to be avoided. Uh, is it religious fanaticism? No, they would say it's reverence for God and this desire to be 100% sure, 110% sure they're not breaking the commandment of no work on that day. So you're going to see uh, all versions of observance uh, of the Shabbat of the Sabbath in the Jewish community, but that's a little bit of a 
kind of a, an overview of what you might see. So for you as a Jewish believer, what was your experience of Shabbat? Yeah, you know, growing up um, in, the, in a Messianic Jewish congregation um, with my parents growing up, we would go to a worship service, the congregation, as do many Messianic Jewish congregations in the U.S., which means um, Jewish synagogues that believe Jesus is Lord and keep a Jewish lifestyle and practice and kind of some traditional Jewish forms of worship. Uh, typically they're going to meet, not always, but typically they would meet sometime during the Sabbath. So that could be a Friday night service, a Saturday morning service. Some, uh, especially more recently meet on Saturday afternoon so that families can kind of take it easy and really enjoy the rest and be together on Saturday morning and then come together to worship to finish that Shabbat before sen sunset on Saturday. So growing up, uh, we weren't, we weren't super intense about it, but we would go, we would worship at the Messianic congregation on Saturday mornings. We would sometimes, you know, go to the park, have a picnic on Saturday afternoons. We would certainly drive. That wasn't a thing for us that, you know, we wouldn't turn on the lights or we wouldn't, wouldn't drive. Uh, but it was, it was a special day. Generally we didn't work. Now I think, you know, as, as our family grew, uh, you know, we, we were a little bit all over the map on that. And then when I went to college, uh, really, it wasn't an issue for me, um, you know, just struggling with what does it mean to be Jewish as a believer in Jesus when I was at uh, liberal arts college and really not coming back to uh, my Jewish identity being being front burner until my, my early mid-20s uh, and then really starting to grapple as a young adult with what does it mean for me to acknowledge the Shabbat, the Sabbath, and keep it, keep it different from other days. Um, more recently, I would say I'm more intentional, and we'll talk about this in, in, a, in a couple of minutes, more intentional about trying to set apart that day. You know, life is so busy. Um, as much as we can automate so many things and so many things are digital and we don't have to do a manual anymore, somehow, Carly, it doesn't feel like our to-do lists are getting any smaller. Uh, in some ways, they're more overwhelming and life is more hectic than ever. And we all have smartphones. And so there's this idea now that didn't exist 15 years ago that we should literally be available 24 hours a day unless we're sleeping um, to the constant influx of new information and requests and tasks. And just kind of a quick story about three years ago during Sukkot time. So October Feast of Tabernacles on the Jewish calendar, I was really feeling burnt out. You know, I, we both work at Jewish Voice uh, and it's demanding. You know, we want to do what we do with excellence and, and life is demanding. And there was so much going on and I really felt like I was on the edge of burnout. And I was, I was just praying, you know, God, I need a, I need a vacation. I need a time away. I need some kind of rest, like lead me into a, into a place of rest here. Cause I don't know if I'm going to make it in this schedule. And I really felt like the Lord showed me that day during Sukkot, I've given you an invitation to rest every Saturday, every Shabbat, and you're not taking it. You're grocery shopping. You're doing what you want to do. You're catching up on emails and work. Like you're you're rejecting my invitation to rest every week. Don't ask me for a season of rest. Take my weekly invitation. And more on that in a couple minutes. But uh, that really caused me about three years ago to go, oh man, maybe I'm missing an invitation. Uh, as a believer in Jesus and also as a specifically as a Jewish believer, something that's uh, been extended to us uh, for millennia that I wasn't taking advantage of. And so I've really seen kind of an increase in a peace and a restfulness in my own life, just kind of reintroducing the idea of a Shabbat as an adult, as a Jewish believer in Jesus into my, into my weekly routine. So when you take Shabbat now, do you abide by the same principles of like not driving a car, not flipping a light switch? 
No, I don't. And that's where, you know, in, in Jewish custom, you have things that are biblical, right? Like there's these 613 commandments. If you read the Torah, Genesis through Deuteronomy, there's 613, either you shalls or you shall not. A number of those have to do with the Sabbath. But the idea is don't do regular work that day. Rest, acknowledge me, don't do regular work. But rabbinical Judaism has built what we call a fence around the law. Like the there was no such thing as a light switch, right? Uh, during Moses's time, uh, there was a fire and it does say you shall not kindle a fire on the Sabbath. Now, Ezra's kind of interpretation of that means a fire. Why was anybody building a fire at that time? Well, they had a cloud by day and a fire by night, so they weren't doing it to keep warm. They were building a fire either to engage in a craft like blacksmith or whatever, or to prepare food or to do some other kind of work or preparation. And God's saying by don't kindle a fire, he's saying, look, stop stop working, stop preparing, uh, make, make an extra portion on the sixth day on Friday so that you don't have to work and you can cease from your work and remember me on Shabbat. In rabbinical Judaism, that one verse that says, don't kindle a fire on the Sabbath has been expanded in modern times to mean don't create any kind of spark whatsoever. So turning on a car is a spark. Uh, turning on a light, which is a spark. Heating food creates a spark. It uses electricity. And that's where that whole idea comes from. But for me, look, God's not saying, and we're going to get to this in, I think, one of the stories about Jesus and how he handled the Shabbat, the Sabbath in a minute. Jesus isn't saying, God isn't saying, excuse me, to the children of Israel, don't eat, don't do what you have to do to survive. He's saying, don't, don't strive and don't work on this day. So for me, no, I'll get in a car. I mean, I'm not getting in a car to go to Target and get my housewares, but I'll get in a car to go meet friends or I'll get in a car to go be in nature or um, or go to a worship service on Saturdays. So it's an interpretation issue. Yeah. And I, we'll talk a little bit later about what is required uh, during Shabbat and, you know, what really the intention is. Uh, for myself, I was raised Catholic and I hadn't really ever heard of Shabbat or rest. I mean, of course, I read the creation story and knew that God rested, but didn't realize it somehow applied to me. And then my uh, kind of first interaction with Shabbat is I had a Jewish friend um, when I was going to grad school who had Shabbat every Friday night. And so she could never hang out that night. And she always invited me over to Shabbat, which I thought, okay, that's that's weird. I'm not Jewish. Why is she inviting me over? Um, and so one time I did go over uh, and actually she was Persian. So she, there was lots of Persian food and it was like a big celebration. And I was like, huh, this is this is interesting. Uh, you know, I, I thought this was going to be more, I don't know, I guess like liturgical or something, but it was more like a, a party of, and a lot of food and a lot of hanging out, which you've said is basically every Jewish holiday. Um, exactly right. So exactly. That right. was my, that was my first introduction to Shabbat. And then more recently, um, I feel like in the past three to five years or so, kind of like your own story, I just became, um, just a little more intentional about, Sabbath and resting. And I started taking a Sabbath each week where, you know, I take one day and I don't do anything on that day. I only do things that I enjoy doing. Um, so like you said, you know, I don't go grocery shopping on that day. I'm not really checking my emails or anything like that, but just, just really resting, um, and prioritizing that. Uh, because like you said, that's something God has invited us to do. Um, and, we get a lot of blessing out of doing it, even though sometimes for us who live in a really connected world, 
it's like, oh, we can't do that. I can't. Sometimes I turn my phone off on that day and then people are like, are you are you alive? Have you died? I'm like, no, I just like took re- a five hour rest from my phone. But like you said, everyone thinks we should be available all the time. Yeah, it's super countercultural to rest. Even the, I mean, Shabbat or no Shabbat, we're talking today specifically about the idea of a Sabbath, but in American culture or Western culture, the idea of I'm setting aside time to rest is you're going against the grain. There's going to be friction. There's going to be misunderstanding. Yeah. So let's talk just a little bit about Sabbath overall. Um, I think it's, it's, it can be a confusing topic just in the news, if you think about some of the Christian businesses that exist, I'm sure um, many of you have your favorite chicken sandwich at our favorite uh, Christian fast food place that is closed on Sundays, which is disappointing to those who go to church and they want to get their chicken sandwich after church. Um, but that's an example of a business that that does take an intentional rest but then there's another Christian store that is open on Sundays. Uh, I don't know if they're still open now, but uh, they were open on Sundays, but they were criticized for violating the Sabbath. So two different businesses there. One took the Sabbath. The other didn't. I'm sure they have their reasonings. But so clearly it's not, uh, you know, it's not just totally defined for everyone. And then, of course, some of us as Christians, they have to work on Sundays. Some people feel guilty about working on Sundays and they feel like they need that day off. Others don't. Kind of like what you were saying about some Jewish people are abiding by it and others aren't. Um, But the commandment that I think you were referring to earlier is in Exodus uh, where it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Um, So what is your understanding of how we have to follow the Sabbath? Yeah, it's a good question, and it's loaded. This is like every usually every other episode, Carly, of a Jew and a Gentile discuss, we ask each other a question, and the answer is, well, yes and no. So this I want to answer in a couple parts. First, the idea of Sunday as a Sabbath. I'm I'm super supportive of Christians taking, and we're going to talk more about this, a day, namely Sunday, and saying, we're going to dedicate that day to the Lord. It's a day for worship and it's a day for rest. We're not going to do business. That's awesome. That's a fantastic interpretation of this idea that you just quoted from Exodus of uh, keeping a day holy, remembering a day of rest. Let me be absolutely clear that nowhere in the Old or New Testament, this may shock some of our listeners, does it say that Sunday is the Sabbath. Sunday is the day that was the resurrection right Sunday morning, either late Saturday night or sometime early Sunday morning was the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, uh, confirming his Messiahship and confirming his resurrection power. And so that became the day that Christians, that the first believers, the first followers of Yeshua, Jesus in the first century would begin to meet uh, to begin the week in a place of worship and community and also to kind of commemorate the resurrection of of Jesus from the dead, which is an awesome thing to commemorate. But this idea that when we read that commandment in Exodus, God's saying, remember Sunday on the Gregorian calendar and keep it holy. It's not in there. It's not in there. So yay for the interpretation of Sunday in the, in the worldwide Christian community. That's fantastic. But just want to be absolutely clear, clear. The word Shabbat is synonymous with the seventh day on the Hebrew calendar. So when God's saying to the children of Israel, remember the Sabbath, the Sabbath day, remember the Shabbat and keep it holy. He's literally saying, remember Friday night to Saturday night and keep that time holy. That's the commandment specifically for the children of Israel. 
And actually, I think what you were quoting, Carly, is from the Ten Commandments. Um, we we know, you know, we know the Ten Commandments: don't lie, don't steal, don't covet what your neighbor has, don't commit adultery. Right? And we go, Amen, 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 Amen. And then remember the Sabbath day. Well, uh, yeah, and it's it's funny anyway. I'm I'm getting a little uh, ahead of myself, but. Uh, if we want to be selective, we sometimes get into muddy waters, but that's, that's a story for later on. So the context of what you, what you read was to the children of Israel, remember Friday night to Saturday night, which is known as the Shabbat and keep it holy, keep it set apart. And interestingly, those listening, you should look later at Genesis two verses two through three, but the Shabbat, the Sabbath, Carly is actually the first thing in all creation that God called holy. Right. Like if this was a Sunday school question uh, or a Shabbat school question where I grew up, we'd say, what's the first thing God called holy man, woman, the heavens, the earth? No, himself. No. The first thing he called holy was the Shabbat. It said God ceased from his work. And on this and he set apart some some versions say sanctified. But the root there is Mikadesh to set apart uh, as distinct from or to make holy in Hebrew. Uh, Kadosh is, is holy. So this idea of making Kadosh the Shabbat, setting it apart from all these other days. So uh, my interpretation, to answer your question in that very long-winded way, is my interpretation as a Jewish believer of the Shabbat is that it is set apart. It does need to be distinct. Um, if you ask a thousand Jewish people, uh, including a hundred Jewish believers in Jesus, to interpret what the Shabbat means, you're going to get at least a thousand different answers. My answer, kind of the filter that I look at, especially the last three years, in how do I interpret the Shabbat is on that day, I should be doing what builds God's kingdom, not what builds Ezra's kingdom. That's like my super quick filter. Now, there's a lot of tentacles to that that we won't go into, but going to Target to buy new laundry detergent, even though it might be needed, is building Ezra's kingdom. Resting, being in creation, uh, spending time with my wife, going to worship, that's building the Lord's kingdom. So uh, that's kind of my quick quick and easy filter that, that I've learned to apply. Am I building my own kingdom or am I building the Lord's? Because on the Shabbat, which is set apart, um, I need to be building the Lord's kingdom. So um, I think it's quite literally... That seventh day in the Jewish in the Jewish uh, faith, and even for Jewish believers in Jesus, I don't think that's changed. I think it was still, and it always is, the seventh day. Exodus thirty-one, and then I promise I'll stop, and we can go on. Exodus thirty-one verses sixteen to seventeen talks about this idea that the Shabbat is a covenant, and verse seventeen actually says a sign forever between me and the children of Israel. And you know, call me a religious fanatic when I read forever in the scriptures. I take that to mean forever. And so I personally believe, and other Jewish believers, even other Messianic Jews would disagree with me on this. I personally believe that the Shabbat is this enduring invitation, even commandment, not an issue of like going to heaven or going to hell, but this, this um, commandment incumbent upon the Jewish people, believers in Jesus and the Jewish people worldwide to make the, the seventh day on the calendar, Saturday, Friday night, Saturday, distinct from the other days of the week. And I believe that even as believers in Jesus, there's still that invitation, that exhortation to do that because it's how we remember uh, that God ceased from creation and uh, it's how we engage with him. It's part of, and, and thirdly, it's how we represent the reality that God exists to the rest of the world. So I know I said a lot there, but. I want the audience to hear that Ezra is saying Jewish believers right now. He's talking about Jewish believers and not so much Christians or Gentiles, which we will get into. 
Uh, but before we talk uh, more about how Shabbat is represented in the New Testament, I just have to ask, you know, you're talking about the commandments. Um, why is it that you think Jewish believers have to follow Shabbat on Saturdays, but then there's other commandments, uh, you know, like sacrifices and other other commandments that you don't carry over, that you don't do anymore? Like, why is, do you just pick and choose? Like, oh, this one seems good, I'll rest. But, you know, sacrifices, no, I'm not going to do that one. Why, why do we still do that? Why do you still do this one, but not some of the others? Yeah, it's a good question. So the the idea of setting the the Sabbath, the Shabbat apart as holy, as we said, is one of the Ten Commandments. So as I understand the Torah or this book of commandments given to the Jewish people, which is for all of our learning and example, as the New Testament says, right? These things are written for us as examples to keep our hearts from for, to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things, like we see uh, that the children of Israel and and the pagan nations in the Old Testament often did. So these things are examples. Uh, for the world and commandments for Israel. But the Ten Commandments are kind of, if, if you will, it's like the trunk of the tree, okay? And then from that, these other 603-ish commandments are kind of branches out, like branches, little shoots, little leaves that are all part of how do we keep the Ten Commandments. And the sacrificial system relates to a temple existing. Um, you know, there's the first temple and the second temple. Well, the second temple, after Jesus was... Uh, after Jesus died on the cross and rose to life and ascended to be with the Father in heaven until he'll come back to rule and reign on earth, the second temple was destroyed in 70 AD. We have historical proof of that. And so the sacrificial system, which is hundreds, hundreds of the commandments in, in the first five books of the Old Testament, required a temple where the presence of God dwelled in order to fulfill those commandments. And it's a great question because so much of rabbinic Judaism as we see it today, right? Like why do the Jew, why does the Jewish community wear that and do this and pray this way and why do they do this on such and such day? Um, so much of that is how do we live uh, as if you will Torah observant observant or commandment obedient Jewish people with the absence of a temple, which means the absence of a sacrificial system. How are we maintaining a right and reconciled relationship with God when we can't actually go to a temple and offer all those sacrifices. Like if there was still a temple on earth, I would probably say that all of those things are still incumbent upon the Jewish people. And that's a story for an entirely another day because some of our audience may go, what? Like those are commandments of God in the scriptures. If it's the inspired word of God, you know, um, then, then those things are enduring. But the reality is there's no temple, so there can't be a sacrificial system. So real quick answer, the Ten Commandments, as I read the scriptures, are still incumbent upon us today. Do not steal, absolutely, still part of what the Lord requires of us. Don't covet, don't commit adultery, uh, you know, keep, don't use the Lord's name in vain. Those things are still very real and uh, incumbent upon us to follow. Now, we know as believers, we can't. Jew or Gentile alike, right? We're all under sin, apart from the, the presence of the Holy Spirit and that life of, uh, of the Messiah alive in us, we're not able to do that. But with his strength, with his help by his spirit, we can. So uh, that's why I would say, yes, there's this, there's this enduring uh, call 
on Jewish believers to keep that seventh day on the Hebrew calendar, the Shabbat holy, but why I'm not going to go buy a goat and bring it down to the local temple and slit its throat and burn it as a fragrant offering to the Lord, because it's not possible to do that. The temple's gone in Jerusalem. Got it. Okay. So I want to get to uh, how Shabbat is mentioned in the New Testament. Yeah. But before we do that, uh, could you just... Tell our listeners a little bit about if they want to engage with us, what opportunity we have for them to do that. Yeah, you know, Carly, we were just talking about uh, as believers, right? Jewish or non-Jewish, uh, we just acknowledge our need for the presence of Jesus in our lives in order to be right with God and in order to do what's pleasing to him. And the reality is most of the Jewish community worldwide doesn't have that confidence of right standing with God, doesn't know that the Messiah is in fact Jesus and that he's already come and he's coming again. And that's a message that we and the ministries we partner with uh, really feel passionate about sharing with Jewish people. Um, there can be a confidence, there can be a reconciliation, there can be forgiveness. Why live without those things? And so if you're listening and you're saying, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about the Sabbath yet. I'm not really sure what they're saying, but something in me is resonating with this idea that I want people, Jewish people and their neighbors to have the confidence and that peace, that shalom, and to know the forgiveness that I know. Uh, consider getting involved with us in our work among Jewish communities um, through partner ministries like Jewish Voice, like so many others, dozens of ministries in Israel, dozens more uh, in the U.S. and Canada. If you want to get involved, we have, uh, I think, a really cool way to do that because I'm mildly addicted to coffee. Uh, we have uh, Lost Tribes Coffee Company, and for your monthly partnership with us and partnering with Jewish ministries around the world, we want to get you some delicious Ethiopian uh, roasted coffee for you to brew at home. Uh, it's some of the best coffee I've had, really unique flavor notes. If you want to hear more about that, watch our coffee tasting contest uh, and find that in the podcast lineup online. But uh, we'd love for you to get involved partnering monthly. You decide how much coffee you want. All the details are online at jewandagentiledisgust.org and you decide uh, in what way and to what degree you want to partner with us every month. But the details are online. Really consider getting involved and being a part of what God's doing with Jewish people around the world, a Jew and a Gentile discuss.org. All the details are there. And drinking coffee is not something you have to give up on the Sabbath. Uh, thankfully, no. <laughs> thankfully, no, or we'd have a big problem. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the New Testament. I'm just going to yeah. outline, you know, some different points about how the Sabbath is mentioned and connect it back to the Ten Commandments that we were just talking about. Um, so the New Testament writers... Uh, the authors actually never repeated or affirmed the Sabbath commandment as valid after Pentecost, but they did affirm the other nine commandments, uh, which I think is interesting. When Paul talks about it, he actually joins it with the laws about unclean foods and laws about Jewish festivals. I won't read all the scripture, but you can look that up in Colossians 2, 16 to 17. Um, and then in Matthew 11... 28, Paul talks about how the Old Testament sacrifices were shadows that foreshadowed Jesus. So the Sabbath commandment was a shadow that foreshadows the rest that we would have in Jesus. So that's the verse, you know, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The scripture that probably most people are familiar with um, when it comes to the Sabbath is what, what people say was when Jesus broke the Sabbath. I'm putting that in quotes. Um, but when you look at the Ten Commandments, Jesus didn't break any of the Ten Commandments, except he did work on the Sabbath, 
which created conflict with the Jewish leaders of that time. So that's Matthew 12, 1 through 14, if you want to read that. But uh, kind of the summary of that is that Jesus was going through the grain fields. He was picking some of the heads of grain. The Pharisees called him out and said, you know, why are you working on the Sabbath, etc.? Um, so some of looking at all of those things, Ezra, you know, thinking that Jesus didn't break any of the commandments except that one, um, that the sacrifices were foreshadows of Jesus and his rest that we would have. You could look at all of that and think that we don't need to follow the Sabbath because that is not what it shows in some of these proof texts. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, here, here's the thing, though. I think, you know, in terms of Jesus, quote unquote, breaking the commandments, if Jesus broke a commandment, then he was in sin. And if Jesus was sinful, then he can't be the lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world. So we can approach this with this idea that, wait a minute, Jesus can't have broke the commandment. So what's going on in this passage? And it's a great question. I think often it's interpreted in a way that leads us to a conclusion that, let me say, that I, as a Jewish believer, looking at the scriptures through Jewish eyes, Jewish eyes wouldn't conclude. And often what you're seeing in the Gospels is Jesus, as a rabbi, as a, which means as a teacher, right, as a Jewish leader, uh, observing the commandments of God as the spotless lamb, is challenging the rabbinic system, which added fences upon fences upon fences around the Torah out of, and let me be clear, it wasn't like this diabolical thing. It was out of a genuine desire not to sin against God. But combine that with a little political expediency, a little power plays, you know, all the things that you'd see in any religious system, uh, ancient or modern, frankly, that's happening in the world. There's so much temptation toward uh, combining with religious purpose, combining with political purposes for expediency sake, power grabs, uh, subjecting people to laws that the leaders who made those laws aren't themselves subject to. All of this is going on in this pharisaical system. And so Jesus isn't challenging the Torah. He's challenging man's interpretation of it, which, as he said, laid heavy burdens upon the common people, upon the, the average Jewish person walking down the street, which the rabbis, the leaders themselves, weren't willing to pick up with one of their fingers. And so the idea of not working on the Sabbath you know, the rab you're right, Carly, that, that passage in Matthew 12, the rabbis are saying, look at Jesus and his disciples. He's working on the Sabbath. Well, how do you define work? Is me putting food in my mouth on the Shabbat, breaking the Shabbat? No. Categorically, it's not. Is Jesus grabbing a stalk of wheat, like as he's walking by and putting it in his mouth? work? I would say no. And I don't think the Torah says that it is because of course people are still eating. It doesn't say fast every Shabbat. Uh, in fact, it says make yourselves a double portion so that you don't have to cook. So Jesus grabbing raw, ripe wheat with his disciples and eating because they were hungry and because man needs to live. It doesn't say man doesn't live on bread. It says man doesn't live on bread alone. Uh, of course, man lives on bread. We die if we just stop eating. Um, but according to the rabbinical Jewish interpretation of work, they said don't even grab, don't, the, the idea of removing a head of grain from its stalk out of a fervency not to disobey God, that was considered work. But Jesus is saying, I'm not subject to the traditions of men. I'm subject to the laws of God. And so he's pressing against a rabbinical idea that he understood with, his, you know, that, that spirit of wisdom that we understand from the scriptures was upon him was man's invention, not God's intent. 
And so I know that gets tricky. I know what I said was a little bit confusing, but Jesus is coming, right? He says, I didn't come to abolish the law because until heaven and earth pass away, not one that not, not one jot or tittle. I like that. And you know, I think that's NIV, not the smallest mark in the written Torah is going to pass away, but I came to fulfill the law. And so Jesus is saying, look, I appreciate that you interpreted that grabbing ahead a, a piece of uh, grain from a stalk of wheat is work, but I'm telling you, God wants us to live and in him is life abundant and eating is part of living. Um, so I think that's part of what's going on here is he's, the, the rabbis aren't catching Jesus and breaking a commandment. He's saying, I'm bringing Israel back to the commandments of God, not the traditions of men. So that's my understanding of what's happening here. Um, yeah, and he even goes on, I mean, in that verse, he doesn't just talk about the grains. He talks about yeah. if a sheep falls into a pit, will you not hold onto it and, and lift it out? Or will you say, oh, no, it's the Sabbath. I will not help it. So exactly. he, he's not saying you can do no work. I think he even says something like do good on the Sabbath. Yeah. So there's a, an exception, I guess I would say. Yeah, it's, yeah, exception, right. For lack of a, a more theologically, you know, right. I'm not a theologian. So we'll go with exception. But what is the exception, right? Is the exception whatever I decide I want to do? No. And this is, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up, Carly. There's a super important foundational idea that our listeners should understand in Judaism. And this is true of us as Jewish believers as well. It's this phrase, and maybe you've heard it if you've watched Fiddler on the Roof or as you know, like you were at that Persian Jewish Shabbat service. When you lift up your glass or when there's some big celebratory moment, you say, L'chaim. And usually that means something with a portion of alcohol is about to be consumed. But that's a story for another day. We're not talking about alcohol consumption. But what does L'chaim mean? In Hebrew, it literally means to life. Chaim is the idea of life. And one of the most foundational ideas in Jewish thought is that and th this actually, if you look at our own constitution and our own Judeo, uh, judicial system in the United States, the idea carries forward. The idea that every life matters. And so what Jesus is saying is the idea of lechaim to life transcends and supersedes however we're going to define work. And actually, you know, I think the modern interpretation or the modern example of this, you know, you said if, if the animal falls into a pit and we go, well, you know, I kind of get that conceptually, but I don't own livestock and there's no pits in my yard. But uh, if you go to Jerusalem, to the ultra-Orthodox neighborhoods, okay, like 5 p.m. on Friday evening or whenever, you know, an hour or two before the sun's going to set, Carly, some of the um, assistance to the Jewish leaders will actually put barricades, metal barricades in the road because nobody in these entire neighborhoods of Jerusalem is allowed to drive a car. It's that rabbinical interpretation. Driving a car is kindling a fire. Kindling a fire is work. So we agree as a community, no vehicles. But here's the exception. If somebody has a heart attack on Shabbat, in that community, you better believe somebody's going to go out there and they're going to lift this metal barricade and an ambulance is going to pull in with its lights and its sirens and they're going to drive that person in a car, which is obviously on, to the hospital. Why? Aren't they breaking the commandment? No, because like Jesus is saying, it's still understood in Jewish thought that the idea of to life, the preservation of life, keeping a life, doing what we can to bring life and not death, supersedes any interpretation we have of the commandments. And so that's what Jesus is getting at here, right? He's saying, if something that you're responsible for is going to die, you're going to do work and as well you should, because God cares about life. He doesn't care. He cares about life more than he cares about traditions or my own, you know, blinders on kind of understanding of obedience. Um, 
you know, and we, Jesus says, I haven't come, you know, I've come that you've, that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. And there's the Hebrew word that you learn per podcast. So there it is, Chaim, life. Yes, exactly. Yep. I do think we need regular times of worship and rest. I think that um, the Old Testament sacrificial laws teach us good principles for today. I think we should offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, as mentioned in Romans 12. And I think the Sabbath command shows good principles of regular times of worship and rest that are needed. And it actually makes me think about um, in our holiday episodes where, Mm -hmm. you know, we talked about some of the high holidays and I asked, do Christians have to participate in the holidays? And you said they're not obligated to, but they're invited to. Um, I don't know if you think that's similar, but I was just thinking it's, it's kind of similar in the way of, you know, you're saying Jewish believers have to observe it on Saturdays. Christians don't necessarily have to observe Sabbath on Saturdays, but we're invited to. It's not like we're not allowed to. We're able to if if we want to. Absolutely. I think, you know, I, I would say the Ten Commandments apply to Gentile believers in Jesus, just like they apply to Jewish believers, in the sense that there's still this, this exhortation of the people of God, and I'm using a, a less strong word than I want to, but this idea of, hey, I want you to rest. Hey, you're not from a Jewish background. Great. Just like I don't want you to steal, just like I, I don't want you to take my name in vain. I want you to rest and remember me one day a week. Now, I'm super okay with the idea of Christians making that day Sunday. Some people say, well, I'm a pastor. I can't work Sunday, so it's going to be Tuesday. I, I get that. I do believe for Jewish people it's Saturday and that that's an enduring commandment. And this is maybe the politically incorrect part of our podcast is the times, Carly, when I say that I believe that there's there's uh, a calling for Jewish people, including Jewish believers in Jesus, to live in certain ways that maintains a Jewish identity. Why? Because we're better than anybody else? No. Uh, Jesus says, you're the smallest and the most stubborn of any group on the face of the earth. So, you know, it's very, the Lord says that to Israel in the Old Testament, I should say. So uh, make no bones about it. It's not an issue of ethnic or cultural superiority, but this idea is the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. And there's something about Jewish people keeping worldwide, keeping Friday night to Saturday night, that seventh day on the Hebrew calendar as this uh, set apart day that's uh, a way to engage, to accept that invitation from the Lord to meet with him and be restored and refreshed. And as a sign, like Exodus 13, 17, uh, excuse me, Exodus 31, verse 17 says, this sign to the nations that God exists and that he's up to something. So uh, as you said, you know, we so often say, are, are Christians required to do this? Is this an issue of obedience to do it, to, to celebrate on Saturday? Well, Seventh-day Adventists would say yes. I don't agree. I think Christians can celebrate the, the you know the Sabbath on on whatever day. Sunday's great. There's an invitation for Saturday. It's not a requirement. Um, and even for Jewish believers, is this a you're gonna you're gonna be separated from God eternally if you don't keep this day? No, absolutely not. Because our righteousness is through none other than Jesus, than the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus and our faith in Him. So let me make that super clear. We're not making the commandments of God a heaven or hell, righteous standing versus condemned standing issue. But as you said, there's that invitation. It's an invitation to experience something new about God. And, you know, look, even this year, 2020, I mean, what a, you know, and here's, an, here's a second Hebrew word, balagan. In, in uh, Hebrew, that means a big mess. What a balagan 2020 feels like. 
now more than ever, I need, and maybe you at home are listening, you say, I need too, to be rested and to, and to, and to be refreshed, to rest and be refreshed. So there's that invitation to rest. Yeah. And Jesus rested. I mean, that's, exactly. that's in the scriptures. Um, there's a verse in John four, six, where it says Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So I agree with you. There's, we need, we all need rest. We should come up with the right rhythm for us as a Christian. I don't think it's Saturdays. Like you said, it could be Sundays or if you're a pastor, a different day. Uh, but I think we all need rest. And I really like, uh, something you said earlier that I want to encourage listeners is, the Sabbath or whatever period of rest you take should be building God's kingdom and not your own kingdom. I think that's a great filter. Instead of thinking about rules, like mm -hmm. can't turn the light switch on, can't turn the microwave on, you know, all of those things, can't go shopping, but building God's kingdom versus building your own kingdoms. Like you said, spending time in nature, spending time with your family, reading the Bible, et cetera. What are the things that builds God's kingdom and invest in that for that time? And if you're someone who doesn't, take a Sabbath, just take a morning, like just take some time and start incorporating rest and see what it looks like. See how God multiplies your time by doing that. I think he'll honor that. Yeah, I agree. And just kind of parting thoughts here, Carly, as we're wrapping up, you know, the building my kingdom or building the Lord's is one thing. Another thing that I heard somebody say probably over a decade ago, that's just really resonated with me. And I'm going to say it to our audience is consider, entertain the idea that God can do more through you in his strength in six days than you can do in your own strength in seven. Well, I'm not going to get everything done that I need to get done. How am I going to do this? And how am I going to go there? And how am I going to buy this? And, you know, Sunday, I think is my day of rest, but Amazon's having a big sale and it's Sunday only. And what am I going to do if I miss it? Anyway, I shouldn't have said brand names. We're not, uh, moving on, moving on. You know, that's, that's, I would encourage you to consider the possibility and maybe try it out a little bit that God can do more with rest in his strength through you in six days than you can do in your own strength in seven. And I'll leave our audience with that. Yeah, that's that's great encouragement. Well, to our audience, thanks for listening. Hopefully you got you know both sides of this. Um, stay tuned to hear us just discuss answers about our own favorite Sabbath tradition. But before we do that, I just want to remind you, like Ezra reminded earlier, is if you want to get involved with what we're doing or you're you're interested in learning more you can go to our website at jew and a gentile discuss.org um, and we're offering this coffee subscription right now the coffee's from ethiopia uh, which is one of the places that we minister to we set up medical outreaches um, and you can get the coffee as much as you want uh, if you become a monthly partner with us besides the fact that it's great coffee you know it's coming from a great place and helping Jewish people hear about their Messiah. Um, so really great opportunity. Go to the website, check that out. Uh, but Ezra, what would you say? I guess we'll just do a lightning round here. Um, is your favorite Sabbath tradition? Yeah, I have a bunch, but one of them um, is challah bread. For you who've seen it, you know, you, you see like the, the kind of, yeah, I, you know, that's, I'm a foodie. So and, you know, it's already, we're recording this on a Thursday. So I'm already thinking about the challah for tomorrow, Friday evening, that hopefully we'll have uh, uh, at the Benjamin household. But uh, challah bread, for those who don't know, is this delicious, uh, almost heavenly braided bread that you make. It's a tradition in Jewish communities around the world for, for Shabbat. And you can either salt it or in the case of uh, me and my family, put about a half a block of Kerrygold butter on it and 
the bread becomes a vehicle to deliver butter to your system. So uh, it's a great way, you know, you say a blessing over the bread and you actually bless the Lord for bringing forth bread from the earth, which is kind of one of the foundational prayers in Judaism. And that's part of how you kick off the Shabbat on a Friday night. And usually there's about a half a loaf left if you're not too much of a glutton for you to enjoy on Saturday as well. So that's one of my favorites. Maybe we'll do a challah bread taste testing, blind taste testing or something. Don't, don't make promises you... unless you're ready to deliver, Carly, because I'm ready. Yeah. Contact us if you'd be interested in that. But for me, I think, you know, we celebrate very differently. For me, um, I think turning off my phone, I know that doesn't sound like a great tradition, but it's so um, freeing, I'll just say. If I turn off my phone for that day, uh, it's like all of a sudden I realize all of the other things that are happening that I can be, that I should be paying attention to. Um, I just I think we need to take that break from technology. We don't have to be available twenty four seven all of the time. Uh, so again, I would encourage you to you know think about what are those things you can do that allow yourself to rest uh, at least one day a week. So if you want to hear more episodes, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love if you'd leave us a review, share this podcast with someone you know. You can follow us on social media at A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. If there's anything you want to have us talk about or questions you want us to answer, you can submit questions on our website at a Jew and a Gentile Discuss.org. We've been getting a lot of great questions in the past couple of weeks, so please keep doing that. Again, thanks for listening and join us next week for another episode. This show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.